Welcome to We Got Goals, a podcast by asweatlife.com, on which we talk to high achievers about their goals. I'm Gina Anderson-Cohen. With me, I have Cindy Kuzma and Maggie Umberger. Morning, Gina. Good morning, Gina. Good morning. And, and Cindy, this week, you talked to Nicole. I did. I interviewed Nicole Bernard-Dawes, who is the founder and CEO of Late July, an organic snack food company. And like, you know, we have some people on the podcast who are actually not a big fan of goals. Nicole loves goals. She thinks you should set them in every part of your life. And so it was a joy to talk to her for this podcast. And her goals are shifting. I know that she had big goals built around business, but her future goals are built more around her family life, right? Right. And I think she still has a lot of big business goals, too. But I was really struck by the way she talked about her intentionality with her family. Her kids are actually a little bit older. Her boys are teenagers now. And she's realizing that they kind of require a different level of energy. Like when kids are little, you have to be around them. You have to take them places. You're coordinating logistics. But when they get to like the age at which they're kind of becoming self-sufficient people, they have like deep questions about the world. And she was realizing that she needs to preserve her energy. She wants to be there for them as they kind of navigate the world and answer those questions for them and be a person who's present in their life. And she realizes that just like you have to set a goal to reach a dollar amount in sales for your business, if you want that, if that's a priority for you, you have to set that goal and then you have to figure out how to make the rest of your life work with that. So she's done things like work from home more often or structure her day in different ways so that she can make sure that she's there for them in enough quantity and quality of time to be the kind of mother that she wants to be. And as she's managing all these areas of her life and continuing to grow this already fast-growing company, she's under a lot of stress, as can is easy to imagine. But she is pretty good at managing that stress. And one of her key tools to going after her big accomplishments and continuing to manage her stress is buying a Peloton bike, right? Yeah, this I know this makes all of our hearts happy at A Sweat Life to hear her talk about how important fitness has been in achieving her goals and, and maintaining kind of a, a balance to her lifestyle. Well, I say balance. She doesn't even like believe in that word balance, which is, I think, something that we can all relate to a little bit because she doesn't really feel like the person who goes into the office is a different person from the person who sits down at the dinner table with her family. That said, she did notice that when things got really busy, one thing that kind of slipped by the wayside was her fitness routine. And she started to realize that that was affecting her productivity, her mood, her state of mind, and eventually would affect her health, which would be extra bad for someone who runs essentially a health food company. So she I think she was, you know, just trying to figure out how to make that work again. She set that goal and she kind of worked backward to figure out how to achieve it and realized that having a bike in her home where she had no excuse to not do a 20 minute ride any day of the week was was really important to her. So it was kind of a, a treat to hear that. In fact, she said that she thinks a Peloton bike should be given to every entrepreneur. It should just be like standard equipment. When you when you start your own business, um, so that was that was great to hear. I'll take one of those, please. <laughs> <laughs> what a delight uh, to hear from such a great entrepreneur about her goals and how they've shifted over the years. Here is Cindy with Nicole, and stick around. At the end of the episode, we're hearing from you, listeners. Yeah, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. This is Cindy Kuzma, and I'm here on the We Got Goals podcast with Nicole Bernard-Dawes, who's the founder and CEO of Late July. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, Cindy, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this podcast. Well, I'm glad to hear it. We're excited too. So most of our listeners are people who are conscious about what they eat and who love a good snack. So they probably already know your brand. But just in case, can you tell us just a little bit about Late July and the products you sell? 
Sure. Uh, Late July Organic Snacks is a predominantly a tortilla chip company right now. We make several varieties of organic tortilla chips and and range from our most healthy, which is a multigrain tortilla chip that has all sorts of wonderful grains and seeds in it, to our more seasoned uh, jalapeno lime tortilla chips, which are one of my personal favorites and my kids' personal favorites. They're super delicious and they are a great snack anytime. We also make a line of crackers and sandwich crackers. And that's kind of how it all started, right? Way back in 2001, because you couldn't find a way to fulfill your pregnancy cravings with organic real ingredients. Am I getting that right? That is correct. I was pregnant. I actually started this company when I was pregnant with my first son, which is one of those things that at the time seems like a really good idea because you haven't had a child yet. But uh, I grew up in sort of a unique situation. My mom had a health food store and my dad owned a potato chip company. So I think that I'm the natural product of when those two people um, have a child, you're bound to have somebody who could create you know, a natural product that is a little bit more delicious. And that was my experience with my mom's health food store in the 1970s was that all of the products you know, had the right idea, but they really tasted bad. I mean, it was just, it was a, it was a pretty sad shelf full of crackers that I had in my childhood. But I, you know, because my father was really into food and, you know, he loved to cook and he also started a potato chip company, Cape Cod Potato Chips, you know, food and health food in particular, because of my mom was a big focus of my life. But even back then, you know, I knew that health food stores could do better. So when I was pregnant with my first son, I was actually living in New York City at the time, and I really desperately wanted, you know, like a saltine cracker. It was early in my pregnancy. And I went to, because I was highly determined to find one, I went to like six natural food stores, and I couldn't find anything. I mean, all of the crackers were very similar to what my mom had back in the 70s. I mean, that part of the health food store hadn't evolved at all. You know, I think it's the, the like, you know, people stereotype natural foods, they taste like the cardboard box that they're packed in. And that was very true of what I was finding, you know, when I was walking around those New York City health food stores back in 2002. So it dawned on me that even though other parts of the health food store had evolved since my mom's, you know, that part of the store was very much stuck in the 70s. And I, you know, I knew that, you know, I had to do something about it. So you've come a long way since then. I know you have something like 30 employees and the number one tortilla chip in that natural and organic aisle where you were looking for it before and a chance to hit $100 million in sales for the year. And that's just professionally. Personally, I know you have the family, the the sons that you mentioned and a husband who's your business partner. So I presume that you have a lot of accomplishments to choose from. But um, as we always do on We Got Goals, we're going to ask you to narrow it down today. Um, we ask everyone two big questions. And the first one is the one I'm going to pose right now. Nicole, what's a big goal you've achieved? Why was it important to you? And how did you get there? I just want to um, mention one thing. We did already pass $100 million in sales. So just oh, wonderful. For, for the record. <laughs> you know, I, have, I love goal setting. I think it's a really important part of achieving. And understanding really what you're trying to achieve is very, very important to, I think, how we got where we are today. And, you know, those goals have changed so much since I first started the company. And I'm kind of constantly checking and updating those goals. You know, there's so many that have been a part of getting us to where we are. But, you know, just narrowing down a couple that I I particularly think helped us 
One is way back, I mean, I'm going to say in maybe 2010, my husband and I, we, we run the company together and we set a goal for our team. We discovered that one of the things that we loved the most about our company was kind of the way our team worked together. And But we had a couple of people that we really felt weren't as positive members of the team. So we decided that we were going to revamp the entire way that we did hiring and set a goal to have our entire company be the kind of people that we really wanted to to be around. They were supportive of each other, just to to make our our company one of the best places to work that we possibly could. And what made that goal a little bit harder back in 2010 is we didn't have as much money back then to pay what you needed to pay. And there, there was a lot of challenges to kind of reaching that goal. But ultimately, it also meant that we would have to leave positions unfilled potentially until we kind of found that perfect fit. And so what we decided to do was instead of just hiring for a position, we started hiring for cultural fit and completely changed the way that we interviewed people. So instead of just posting a position, looking for a set of criteria, having one or two people interview that person and then hiring the most qualified candidate, we decided that the term qualified had a lot of other meanings and you know that stretched far beyond just hitting the the, the check boxes of right, you know, school major, right past experience and for some of the positions, it required us leaving them open for a couple of years, actually. And I would say that in, I can, I can, I can officially say we met this goal about four years after we set it. It took that long to finally get all the open positions filled the way that we wanted to fill them. And I truly believe today that we have the most wonderful team in our industry. I mean, everybody thoroughly enjoys working together. We have a group of people that that wakes up every day ready to support each other and believes in the company and believes in the products. That's so interesting because I think so often people think of goals in really hard, tangible, data-driven terms. And that's such an interesting one to set. Um, how did you sort of check? You talked about kind of checking for progress uh, against those things. How did, I mean, other than just filling those positions, like what are some ways that you sort of really gauged how successful that effort was? I think just, you know, employee morale and, and job satisfaction, just seeing how our team worked together. And also, I mean, really, it's a, a tangible filling open positions. I mean, at the time when we said it, we had the open positions that we needed to fill and under our like new, new approach. So once those positions were filled and, you know, all future positions were done that way, it just became our way of life. I'd imagine that was a little bit of a struggle at first with your existing employees trying to communicate that message and explain to them why it might take a little bit longer to get the help that you needed. But ultimately, I'm sure they they could come to understand, too, how important this was for the health of the whole team. How did you kind of navigate that transitional period? Well, it, I, it is it actually is very hard. I mean, still, because, it, you know, we take, you know, typically took us longer to fill positions than we did in the past. And when you're growing fast, that can be a huge problem. But I, I think what everybody came to realize very quickly was that it, it was much better to have a team that we all enjoyed being around and, you know, really, truly supported each other than just filling a position. And, you know, people became believers in the process because they were all part of it too. You know, when, when somebody joined the company, they were typically interviewed by five or six people versus just one or two. 
anybody that they might potentially be working with and even a few people that they wouldn't be working with on a day-to-day basis. So everybody kind of bought into it. And, and plus, you know, they saw the results. And when you think about how that kind of affects your day-to-day business, I mean, can you think of some examples where the team has worked together in a way that you think they might not have been able to before? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I think is really interesting is when I look at, I mean, our sales team, we, our sales team works very differently than most sales teams. We have a, a team that completely doesn't compete against each other, which I think makes us ultimately more powerful. Our sales team isn't kind of bonused individually. We really look at it as we're all in this together. And what that has meant for some members of that team is they might have a, something come up, like an, a family emergency, for example, and they can't go to, this is a this is a true life story that actually happened. They can't go to like the most important meeting for their most important customer of the year. And so one of their peers will step in and go to that meeting. Now, in, in a typical company, that might be a threat because if that person performs and does well, I mean, there's a chance that that could kind of come back to impact, particularly in sales where people are tend to be a little bit possessive of their customers. And in our case, the way that we work, that's just one coworker helping another. How do you sort of structure things? So that requires both kind of a different attitude and also like a really different incentive system, as you say, right? How are some of the, what are some of the ways that plays out in the way that you kind of actually structure the company? Well, I think it, it one of the ways that it plays out is, you know, we encourage a lot of cross-functionality, people to kind of understand not just their role, but how their role impacts the rest of the company and particularly team members that they work with all the time, but even team members that they just sort of brush up against tangentially with like the various things that they're working on. Because I think when you understand your role in greater context, you understand how your choices and your decisions affect the people that you're working with versus when you are very siloed, you really don't understand and you don't have a lot of concern for how your choices impact the people that you work with. So where do you think all of these ideas came from for you? I mean, when you talk about it now, it, it strikes me that some of this must have come out of the very difficult year that that you had in 2009, which, I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm very sorry for, for the loss of your father. I know that that was a, a tough time and that you went through some learnings in terms of getting comfortable with areas of the business that you didn't know much about before, that you weren't as involved in before. Is that something that kind of informed the way you've set up this this newer hiring structure? It, I mean, it is. I mean, really, I mean, as you mentioned, 2009 was just an incredibly difficult year. I mean, personally, professionally, really in every way. It was the death of my father, somebody who, you know, hero, mentor, somebody who I kind of looked up to and, and felt I really needed to his death resulting in our bank triggering a death of a member clause in our loan agreement and forcing us in the height of the recession to replace debt and a significant amount of debt for the company. And ultimately, kind of through that, it forced my husband and I to take a hard look at at kind of who we were at late July and what we wanted this company to really become. And a couple of interesting things happened. One, we decided life is short. You just don't, you really, I mean, entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur, I'm incredibly, I have an incredibly positive outlook. And usually my brain can't even compute failure. I mean, it just doesn't go there. And I, I actually, I manage stress, I think, kind of weirdly well. But kind of even given all that, we just 
we took a hard look at who we wanted to be and how we wanted to feel and how we wanted our team members to feel. And out of that, we just really needed late July to be a place that, you know, people were passionate about our mission already, but just that people were passionate about the work experience they were having. And I think bigger than that, even for Peter and I, was deciding who late July wanted to be as a company. And part of kind of our early days in in the cracker side of our business was something that I think was really important to building our foundation and discovering kind of what we cared about from a mission standpoint. But the products were, I think, I mean, they tasted great, but I just, I didn't have the passion that I needed to for where our company was headed. And we made a lot of difficult decisions that year, in addition to kind of revamping the personality side of our company and the culture side of our company. We decided that as a brand, we wanted to stand for something a little bit more in terms of health. And we actually decided to get out of cookies, which was Mm -hmm. a significant amount of our business at that time. Mm -hmm. We were doing probably 9 million in sales and cookies were 2 million of them. So it was a big deal. And go into tortilla chips, which is something that both my husband and I really, really were passionate about. I tried to get my father to launch them at Cape Cod Potato Chips, but he felt pretty strongly that they were a potato chip company and that was sort of, you know, out of their area of expertise. But I felt really strongly about them and so did my husband. And this kind of comes to my, our next goal, which I think is really probably a crazier one. But as a cracker company, we decided we wanted to become the number one tortilla chip in the natural business, the natural aisle. And coming out of this incredibly difficult year, that was, that was what we had decided to become. And in 2010, we started working on tortilla chips and taking our company in this completely new direction. Once you had finally decided this, what were some of the steps along the way that took you from, okay, we're going to go this whole new way to to achieving that success, to, to being the number one tortilla chip in this aisle? Well, step one was just launching the tortilla chips, which took us almost the full year. And they officially hit shelves in December of 2010. And they were not off to the greatest start, you know, which I think was a little bit scary because we had just bet our entire company's future on this launch, you know, and I think that was kind of the first big learning for us was, okay, we're going into this new category. It's much more competitive. You know, you have to sell a lot more tortilla chips to succeed than you do crackers. So, you know, we kind of dug in to really understand what was causing that. And we realized that because we were kind of new to this category, we needed to build our brand awareness. So we just picked a couple of accounts, really built up our brand in those before kind of spreading our, you know, our wings into to a broader amount of stores. So we spent that that full year just, you know, succeeding in the couple of accounts that we were in. And in relatively short order, I think when you kind of put your mind to it like that, you know, we were I think we might have become like the number three or something in the first year. So, I mean, we, we right away in the accounts that we were in got, a, you know, a high degree of success. And I attribute that to the taste of our products. It's one thing you really need the repeat consumers. And I've, I've always believed that as a natural products brand, we have an obligation for the entire industry to make our products taste great because when, it, when the consumer has a bad experience with one natural product, you know, they just, they make an assumption about everything. And in addition to the obligation to the greater industry, no consumer is ever going to buy a snack twice if they don't like the way it tastes. 
Right, right. So how do you go about making sure that they do taste great? You know, I think in addition to to constantly testing our products versus our competitors and making sure that everyone in our company is eating them and loving them, it's being really ready to hear criticisms and understand how to make things better until you're 100% satisfied, never launch a product. So many people launch just to meet deadlines or they need a new item. We've never done that at late July. Until something is 100% ready, it, it will not be for sale no matter what. That's interesting to hear you say. And also it was interesting to kind of hear you say how you set about launching the tortilla chips that you really did go deep into a couple markets. Because one of the things that I was wondering was, you know, you haven't necessarily launched a new line since then until now or a major new product anyway. And that seems like different from the way many food companies operate. It seems like for you, it's been kind of an intentional strategy to go slow and to to focus more on taste and perfection than, than on just chasing the next new thing. Is that, uh, would you say that that's been part of your success? Absolutely. I mean, you know, the tortilla chip market is huge. And for us, there was really no need to expand past that, you know, particularly for the early days of the of our launch singular focus on kind of becoming the number one you know requires all of your effort and your team's effort when we felt like spreading ourselves too thin would just kind of delay reaching that goal are there kind of practical ways as you as you went along this route that you kind of reinforce that focus within your team and into your employees i mean i think it's interesting you know the the name of this podcast is we got goals and you know, I think every meeting should have a goal. And, um, you know, no matter what our team was doing, you know, we always kept that goal in the back of our mind, and in particular when it came to the tortilla chips. You know, and I think that understanding how you're tracking versus your goal too. So, you know, in an account or in a retailer, where do you rank and how are you doing? And making sure that every time you're meeting with someone, you're understanding what you're hoping to get out of that meeting. I mean, that sounds very simple. But it's also very, very important. Right. I remember reading an example of one of your early sales calls where someone asked you, well, is there anything else you want to talk about? And you said, yeah, I actually just want your answer. (laughs) Like It's so simple, but as you say, really effective, right? That you just knew what you wanted and you put it on the line and, and then you ended up getting what you needed out of that meeting, right? Yeah, I mean, that's an excellent example. And I a lot of that came from just sheer desperation in that meeting. But if you don't, if you don't even know what you want, you're definitely not going to get it. And I think clearly articulating what you want helps people. It helps. We're all in this together in, in, in our industry and in certainly within the company. And I, you know, understanding kind of what your objectives are and, and how that other person can help you achieve them is really a great step in actually achieving them. Right. And it seems like that kind of mindset shift can also help with what you were just talking about in terms of responding to criticism too, right? That if you keep in mind that your ultimate goal, what you really want is to improve your product, then you can sort of start to see people who are giving you that feedback, even if it's somewhat negative as people who are helping you along the way versus people who are sort of out to out to get you, right? It seems like that would be a, a much more optimistic way to look at that. Well, I think that's Absolutely true. I mean, and I think that's true for everything. I mean, we're all just kind of learning and growing and none of us are perfect. So, you know, the more receptive you are to kind of hearing things that could be done better, the more likely you are to improve faster. So now you are in the middle of launching two new product lines, salsa and popcorn. Why did you decide that now was the time to do that? And why these particular products? 
Well, the salsa, I think, is an obvious choice for a tortilla chip company. We're constantly being asked to partner with salsas, and plus they're displayed right next to the tortilla chips in store. And I love making salsa at home, but it's not always practical. Sometimes you just you need a shelf-stable salsa that you can take with you wherever you're going. And this is, again, something that we worked on for many, many years because I was very reluctant to get into salsa because fresh salsa just tastes so much better than jarred salsa. But you know, ultimately, we determined that there was enough of a need for having a shelf-stable salsa that you could just take with you anywhere uh, that didn't require refrigeration. And we were able to come up with one that we were proud of. So we felt it was time to launch it. And I think it also with the salsa, it's interesting, not a lot of people are doing certified organic in salsa. And sometimes we feel that that's our role in a category too, is to kind of push people towards certified organic, certainly in tortilla chips, us coming in as a certified organic tortilla chip has really shifted the category. We're seeing more and more people experimenting with organic, particularly now that we are the number one tortilla in both the natural aisle and the natural aisle of grocery stores. We're number one in both. People are realizing that the number one can be organic. There are enough consumers out there that that do want that and do care about that as long as it tastes great. I think in salsa, that's something that people really weren't pushing that envelope. The majority of salsa out there isn't certified organic. So this may or may not lead to the next question, but it is about the future. What is a big goal that you have for the future? And how do you plan to achieve that, whether that's salsa related or or completely different? I think it's interesting. I I also feel like as an entrepreneur and, and a CEO, it's important to have goals outside of work as well. And, you know, as I look to my future, I, my kids are getting older. I have an almost 16-year-old, an almost 12-year-old. I feel like kind of stepping back a little bit and looking at my family for personal inspiration for my goals is how can I balance a little bit better kind of my two worlds. And the whole idea of work-life balance, I feel like, is a little bit of a sham, particularly for entrepreneurs. I never unplug or turn off, even on vacation But I do feel like it's interesting, you know, you think when your kids get older, it requires a little bit less for for parents, but I'm finding the opposite is actually true, that, you know, you really do need to be more available and more present for them as they're getting into their teenage years. So trying to kind of figure out how to balance everything, and I I almost hate to use the word balance just because it's kind of an unreachable goal, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. that's something I've been personally working on as far as future. And I know that's not work related, but I think it's very important for entrepreneurs and to kind of have personal goals too. And some of the things I've been experimenting with are working from home some days. We have the company set up so that it allows flexibility so that other people can do that too. Making sure that we're eating dinner as a family at least four, if not five nights out of the week. Kind of mini mini goals I've set along the way for us And with the ultimate goal of making sure that I am present and available as my kids kind of enter this next phase of their life. I'm actually really glad to hear you say that. Something that does strike me, I I actually don't have kids, but when I think about kids growing from small children where they have a lot of physical needs and then when they need to be driven places, et cetera, to now where maybe they have, as you're saying, like sort of higher level needs that take more of your brain power to to serve, even if they don't always take as much actual time in terms of transit or cooking or, or whatever those physical needs are. So I, I think it's really interesting the way you're thinking about how to make all of this, this fit. Well, and I think, you know, it's interesting that even for our employees that don't have kids, I think it's just kind of learning to that it's okay 
doesn't make you less successful of a person to kind of prioritize your your private life and mm-hmm. that that not to make that a conversation that should be hidden away. I know that when we have people who join late to lie that come from much much larger companies, it's a conversation people are kind of reluctant to have. People don't want to say, "Well, I, I'm not available then because I have to go to my kid's school or I'm not available because I have to help like an elderly parent or I have to take my dog to the vet." Whatever it is, we all have lives and when you're a high achieving person, you have to not hide that, I don't think. I think we all have to kind of be okay with putting that out front and having kind of open conversations about it. Because the reality is everybody has obligations outside of work. And you know, it's not something to be ashamed of. I think it's something that as long as you're achieving and you're getting your job done, and you're not, it's not impacting coworkers negatively, we should learn how to accommodate each other in a healthy way. And you have sort of some different factors in your particular situation, too, because, you know, you started this as a family business, and I know you work on it with your husband, as you mentioned. And it's interesting, too, because here at A Sweat Life, our own CEO and founder, Gina Anderson-Cohen, also works with her husband. So when you think about your family and your work in that context, how do you and your husband kind of balance the different aspects of that relationship in work and in life and, and make that work? You know, that's something that I think we actually do really, really well. We've worked together for 15 years now, and working together has really allowed us to run the company together and manage our personal life together. I don't think it, I mean, it just sort of evolved that, you know, this is what worked for us. But when we were first starting the company, we, we didn't have any money. We really, we weren't, we weren't able to afford a nanny to help us. And because of that, we just had to manage everything together. It was really out of necessity, but <laughs> I think the, the, the end result was positive because, you know, not only did it allow us to incorporate our kids into the business, but, you know, it forced my husband and I to kind of figure it out. And, you know, ultimately we, what we decided was that it's almost like we're job sharing because we could never travel at the same time. And, you know, some of those things, it's very unusual for both of us to fly to a meeting together. I think it's happened maybe on, I encountered on one hand the amount of time it's happened in the last 15 years. But it, the result is that one of us is always with, you know, home for the kids and the other person truly understands what, you know, their spouse is going through. There's never that time where we even really have to explain kind of the feelings that we're feeling. You know, the other person's already right there with you, which is, I think, really a gift. Yeah, I feel like it can be so valuable to just know that there's someone on your team and then to have that same person on your team in in sort of every aspect of your life has got to be really empowering. It definitely is. You know, it, it and it, I'm not going to lie, it really helps my husband has an amazing sense of humor <laughs> and that has come in very handy over the last 15 years. Well, and you can see too, kind of thinking back on our earlier conversation about your sales team and about people kind of supporting one another. I'm guessing that the way your relationship plays out in the office is, is also a template for your employees to follow with each other. Not that they're all going to need to marry each other, but <laughs> that it's showing that support for each other that you, you two do probably trickles down to those relationships as well. Well, I think when you're a family business earlier on, it was very raw. You know, you're kind of there, your kids are in the office, you know, life is happening around you. I mean, my father died, you know, essentially around our whole team. You know, he was diagnosed with a late stage cancer and kind of everyone experienced that. that. When you're going through those kind of things, I think it, it makes you very tight as a group. And I, I think that the need to extend kind of how you want to be treated on a larger scale 
it just doesn't make sense any other way. You know, we actually, we have a, we implemented another thing kind of around the same time, which is the results oriented workplace where, you know, there's no formal vacation limit. Mm -hmm. It's just sort of, you know, people need to get their jobs done and, you know, make sure that their time out of work isn't affecting their coworkers. And that's, I, I think as an entrepreneur, that's always how I've manage my time. You know, if I need to be somewhere, I go to it. If I need to take my kids to a doctor's appointment, or if my husband needs to take, you know, one of the kids to a sporting event, or, you know, whatever, we, we manage that. And we also get our job done. And, you know, we felt that the need to extend that to our team as well. That's an amazing perk. I'm sure people really appreciate that. And I see why it is now that you say you don't even really necessarily like to to use the word balance. And I, I've always, I understand that because it's not as if these are like two separate parts of a person completely separate from each other that you have to sort of keep in some kind of equilibrium. It's like you instead have this knowledge that you know, it's a more holistic view of both the business and the individual within it, that all of these parts have to work together in order to, for the person to be successful and for the company to be successful. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, I I think that we put a lot of expectations on ourselves about, you know, kind of how we need to be and what the perfect mom or the perfect worker looks like. And for me, compartmentalizing those just doesn't work. I, I can't be unavailable because I'm somewhere with my kids. If something somebody needs me and it's urgent, I need to handle that. But in the same token, if my kids need me and it's urgent, then I need to handle that too. And my team knows that. They know that I'm there for them, but they also know that I need to be there for my kids or whatever, you know, my mother or you know, my dog, maybe. <laughs> yeah, right. All of the important uh, right. creatures in our in our lives. Right. Well, I wonder if that mindset is part of your secret to, as you say, kind of weirdly managing stress weirdly well. <laughs> but I, I wonder if you have any other advice. You know, a lot of our listeners might be either entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs or people who are trying to manage a lot of things in their lives. Um, are there any other sort of secrets to to stress management that you might share with them? One of the secrets that I I don't think is a big secret anymore, but I got a Peloton bike a couple of years ago. and. I think that should be like standard issue for entrepreneurs because in the early days of late July, the thing that really suffered most was the time I spent exercising. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's very, very difficult, particularly when it starts to get dark out early and, you know, you have a million and one things going on and maybe you have kids or, you know, just whatever gets in the way, you know, to me, that was the first thing that I cut. Before I started the company, I exercised every single day. I did yoga like four days a week. I, you know, I was constantly active and I just slowly saw the amount of time that I was spending exercising and like really for me and my health trickling away. Then I made a concerted effort to try to, you know, to realize that my health is important. I mean, that's what makes me for my own clearing of my head and for my children and even for my my company, you know, you can't ignore that part, that very important part of you know, I think what makes me feel good about myself and what makes me feel good just in general. And then someone recommended, I, you know, actually, I, I can't remember exactly how we found out about it, but we were, you know, my husband and I decided that, you know, we needed something at our house because it was really the only way that we could guarantee that we could work out every single day. And we were going to get a treadmill, which I was not excited about, but it was just sort of resigned to it. Okay, fine. You know, we'll get a treadmill and that'll be the end of it and I'll do it and I'll be miserable. And because I really prefer to exercise outside, but 
And then I actually think, I think it was my husband that, that read an article or something about it. And so we checked it out and we got a Peloton and it has literally been the most wonderful decision I've ever made for my health. It's something that you can very easily accommodate into your life. I mean, almost never can you say, I can't spend 20 minutes exercising today, even though it's right in my own home. You know, and usually I like to do a lot more, you know, like the 45 minute class or whatever, but it's been great. It's, it's really helped both me and my husband, you know, find the time that we need to just focus on our health without having to do something that, you know, we really just don't have the time for. And then when we do have the time, you know, we will go for a hike or go for a jog or take the dog out or do, you know, do whatever, but it, it doesn't, you don't have to ha find that, that large chunk of time to accommodate a workout. Oh, I love that answer so much. Um, and here at A Sweat Life, we do believe that fitness is a catalyst to living your best life and that sometimes, you know, taking that time and stepping away, as you, as you say, makes you just better at everything. And those victories on the bike translate <laughs> into, the, into the office and, and vice versa. Well, Nicole, I'm so grateful to you for taking the time to talk with me today. Speaking of your busy schedule, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but this has been a great chat and I'm really grateful for your time. Before I let you go, I want to make sure that people know where to find your products and also where to find out the latest and greatest news on the next salsa and popcorn and, and chip flavor coming out. Um, where can people find Late July? Well, luckily now we are available in most most major stores and most health food stores in all parts of the country. So you should, you know, as long as you check the, the natural side of the, the chip aisle, you should be able to find us. And the best place to check, I think, for, for new products and to kind of see where we're up to is probably our Instagram account. Obviously, we have a website and we have other social media, but I think our Instagram account is probably the best place to interact with us because we're always posting new and exciting things and what's going on and, you know, what our team is up to. And that would be uh, my advice. Thank you so, so much for your time and, and for sharing your insights, Nicole. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun, and I think your topic is fantastic. Yeah, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. So don't be upset when I'm not Hey, Goal Getters. It's Cindy Kuzma again, here to introduce a very special guest, one of you, our listeners. We recorded this goal live at the Michelob Ultra Sweatworking Week Fitness Festival last month. And we'd love to feature your story on an upcoming episode. Here's how to make that happen. Record an audio file on your phone, your computer, however you want to do it. Tell us about a goal that you've accomplished and why it was important to you, a goal you have for the future and how you plan to get there, or share a goal-getting tip. Email it to me at cindy at sweatlife.com and you could be featured right here on this very podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We hope to hear from you soon. And hey, go get those goals. Yeah, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. So don't be upset when I'm not My name is Nancy and I am from Mexico. Alright, so I got into fitness because I love the Latino community in Chicago. And uh, my goal is to be more an advocate for the young generation, especially female. So currently I'm working on my blog and I'm working with Chicago Public Schools to integrate young girls who love to write to write for my blog it is um it's all regarding fitness and uh, the journey that we go through you know moving from our country of birth coming to a different country and how we grow into society so right now i'm working on it so since everyone knows me by nancy castillo i feel like i should just name it up for me <laughs> um so i'll be sharing the links 
I'm also going to just, you know, like publish it and do like a big party where I'll invite everyone. Girl, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. This podcast is produced by me, Cindy Kuzma, and it's another thing that's better with friends. So please share it with yours. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, including now on Spotify. And while you're there, if you could leave us a rating or a review, we would really appreciate it. Special thanks to Jay Mono for our theme music, to our guests this week, Nicole Bernard-Dawes, and to Tech Nexus for the recording studio. 